He's Ralph Hampton. I'm George Reister, and this is the Pac-12 Apostles. The Pac-12 Apostles is the podcast by Pac-12 fans for Pac-12 fans where we shoot it straight. You don't get the fluff. You get the truth. We are going to either bash the conference or we're also going to tell you what's going great as well because we are honesty brokers. This is the podcast. If you care about it, if you want to be a Pac-12 fanatic, this is the place for you. Make sure that you leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts, despite the fact that Ralph would tell you to leave four stars and then we'll improve to make it five stars. I say this is a five-star production from the beginning. And most importantly, make sure that you share with a friend. Tell a friend about the Pac-12 Apostles. Either send it to them, email it to them, send them a clip that we post, any of that, the way we can continue to grow and we can continue to uh, to take this thing to the next level. And of course, you guys can get a hold of us. I'm Matt. I am M-A-D at unafraidshow.com. Or you can hit us up on Twitter. He's at Ralph Amson and me, I'm at George Reister. And the podcast is at Pac-12 Apostles. You know, guys, if you've been there, you know we interact with you guys. So Ralph... Three games in the books for UCLA, Oregon, USC, and Oregon State. Two games in the books for Colorado, Washington, Washington State, and Arizona, Stanford, and Cal. And one game in the books for Arizona State and Utah. What do you make of the state of the conference being that it is very clear that the games will not be even at the end of the season? Well, what are we supposed to do? I mean, the Pac-12 had the opportunity to start early, earlier. They didn't take it. They had the opportunity to not start at all, which was an opportunity that they seemed to be very interested in pursuing until the Big Ten backed down. What are we? What are we supposed to do? There's nothing. It's there's nothing we can do. ASU just had their third game in a row canceled. It's. This season is an unmitigated disaster for almost everybody involved, um, especially if you're Arizona State and Washington State. Um, I don't know what to say, man. I, I, it feels pretty helpless. I, like I said, I, I've, I never went into this season with the expectation that there was going to be a postseason for any Pac-12 team, and I had even said that I didn't think, you know, after week one, I don't think anybody in the Pac-12 was really deserving of it anyway. Um, it almost makes me wish that they would just play through and do what it takes to get everybody at least six games, you know, because as it stands right now, if Arizona state can't get everybody, um, back in time, or if there happens to be another outbreak, they're, they're going to miss the UCLA game too. So, you know, it's a mess. How how close is Arizona state to playing football? I, I think that that's the biggest question is how many, because at this point in time, you it's not just contact tracing, knocking people out. It's got to be, uh, you know, actual positive tests, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of people on the offensive side of the ball at ASU that all had it. I thought it was a defense for a minute, but it's definitely it was definitely the offense. And uh, Herm Edwards and Herm Edwards gave a press conference today. Um, he's finally back with the team, and he had said that you know he doesn't wish this on anybody. Um, 
you know, I, I don't know how bad it was for him. He's probably the most in shape mid sixties dude in the entire Southwest. And, uh, you know, and for him to say that it was a really bad experience, I think that's some, something that people should pay some attention to. It's going to affect everybody a little bit differently. And, and a lot of these kids are in peak physical condition. So the immediate effect isn't necessarily something that, that you have to worry about what Arizona state's going through right now to make sure that everybody's ready is, you know, cardiac testing and, 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 you know, the abundance of caution that comes out of uh, some, some of the stuff that we learned uh, earlier in the season that, that it can have, you know, that it, that it can cause some infl- inflammation and, and stuff like that, in the heart muscles. So as soon as everybody's cleared to go, then they should be able to get back practicing. Um, my, my guess is, uh, by Thursday, Friday, they'll, they'll be, they'll be able to put a team together at least that can get out on the practice field and then start getting ready for UCLA. <laughs> okay. So your prediction is that, that they'll be able to play next week. I think so. Against UCLA. I think so. I, I don't, you, you never know. You never know what can happen. Um, but my, everything that I've heard is that they should be ready to go for the 11th. We've had a couple of columnists down here in Arizona suggest that they just schedule a game with the University of Arizona and call it a season. And I'm, that's definitely not in the hearts and minds of any of these no. ASU players. They're pissed off. They want to play. So so, so Arizona is looking at playing four games this year, potentially. And all of these things, like truthfully, have had an impact on the college football playoff, the, the first rankings that have come, come out. I didn't like the first rankings that came out. Um, only two Pac-12 teams rank. You have Oregon at 15 and USC at 18. John Wilner actually even had in his AP rankings, he had Oregon at 18, which I thought was absolutely asinine, even though I like John. That was ridiculous. Um, I still believe, so in, in looking at the rankings, I, I had a bunch of questions. First thing was, how are they going to, well, how are they really viewing teams that have played less amount of games? Because they have Wisconsin with one loss at 16, and they got absolutely boat raced by Northwestern. They have Ohio State behind Clemson, even though Clemson lost to uh, lost to Notre Dame, and they only beat Boise, uh, Boston College by six points. And I look at this saying, all right, that the Pac-12 still has a chance to make the college football playoff. I think it's only Oregon and Oregon and USC to have a shot, and they need help from Washington. So Washington should be, uh, if Washington takes care of business this week against Utah and has another good performance like they did last week, they should be ranked next week. And then in two weeks when they play against Oregon, then that can be a big time showdown of two ranked teams. Like, because if Oregon continues to win, they're five and zero at the time, based upon everybody in front of them, their their schedules as well. They'll they'll be a top ten team at that point in point in time, based upon everybody else. Then you have um, uh, USC should be in the top thirteen or fourteen as well. And if Oregon can then beat Washington, a ranked team, and then the winner of the Oregon-USC game would, by the time that that seventh game happens and the other conference championships happen, 
may have an opportunity to slide in that four spot depending on what what happens with everybody else. Maybe, but the whole thing to me just feels like, you know, you you see a meteor coming that's going to crash into the earth. You see it approaching and see it approaching and then you spend all your time while the meteor is approaching swiping through Tinder trying to get matches. Like what what's the point of any of this? It that I don't think the playoff is going to be accurate. Um I don't think everybody not having the opportunity to be on the same level playing field as far as getting a full conference slate in or non-conference slate in isn't available. So the the stuff that people are picking and ranking, it just doesn't mean anything to me at all. The, the only real thing that stood out to me was I thought the BYU was a little bit low. And then even then it was like, well, but it doesn't matter. None of this matters. It's just, it's, it's even more subjective than it is in any other year. You know, you have to come up with some type of explanation as to why you wouldn't have Washington on there. And then that explanation could or could not make sense. It just isn't, it isn't something I'm putting a ton of energy into trying to figure out how the, you know, how the PAC 12 can get in on uh, the, the national title conversation you know, when week to week we, we're trying to just get two thirds of the Pac-12 games in, period. And so, I don't know, man. I, I just, uh, I, I, I did get a little laugh out of BYU being 14, knowing that University of Wyoming's athletic director is on the selection committee, and those two schools hate each other a great deal. So, you know, maybe there's something to that. No, dude, BYU was where they were supposed to be, and and they actually deserved what they got to, especially because they did not want to um, – Washington, according to, to, um, to Bruce Feldman's sources, they wanted to play they – were, they were trying to schedule against BYU. BYU wanted to wait until after the college football playoff rankings came out. But BYU is saying, well, the Pac-12 wouldn't guarantee the game because they wanted to play their conference games – and I find that there's probably a little bit of truth to that, but I think a lot of it had to do with they wanted to see where they where they were to see if they were going to be in a good position because the, the teams that they've played, they've played Navy, Troy, La Tech, UTSA, Texas State, Houston, who's terrible this year, Western Kentucky, Boise State without a quarterback, North Alabama. That's who they've played. They have one game left against San Diego State, and now they're going to have to beg the Pac-12 to get games. They're going to have to beg. As soon as another Pac-12 game is canceled, they're going to have to beg. They're going to have to they're, – they're probably calling up Colorado right now to because we're, we're going to find out very shortly if USC can even play this week. And um, uh, they, because they – or if they get players knocked out by contact tracing uh, because they had a player test positive after they got back from Utah last last week. So BYU needs to beg the Pac-12 for games, which ultimately could help USC and, um, and Oregon as well because, and even Washington, because if they can get a game against Washington, if, if so- somebody else has to cancel, which they should have been playing this weekend anyway, then that would boost up the Pac-12 conference if Washington can win and also would have given Washington an opportunity to to get in the college football playoff conversation as well. Yeah, I I don't know. I 
I, I know that everybody had a really, really fun time bagging on BYU this week because of their slogan. It was like any team, any time, any place. Um, but the idea that we've gotten accustomed to the fact that any school should just be willing to drop everything and schedule somebody on six days notice is a little bit concerning to me. Like I, I, I'm not for that. And so I, I don't, um, I'm, I'm a little bit less apt to make fun of BYU. There's plenty of stuff to bag on, on the Cougars for, um, historically that I, I don't necessarily take much of an exception with this. When you put it in conjunction of, of some of their fans thinking that they deserved, to be ranked higher. And then when you look at it through the lens of their rivalry with Utah and the fact that Utah gets to play Washington and BYU's biggest expressed fear is that Washington would have dropped them to, to play somebody like Utah in the first place. You know, it, it's definitely all stuff that you can have a little bit of a laugh at, but I don't want to beat up on them too bad. Everyone's just trying to get games in. Um, be- oh, you're so nice. You are so nice. Yeah, but okay. Let me, let me reframe, <laughs> let me reframe it. Uh, Washington was available because why? Because the team that they were going to play it, for the Apple Cup was not able to because a uh, bunch of kids, you know, through contract tracing or whatever, are being affected by uh, a terrible disease. So it's like it, it. You have to really reframe what you're looking at to to be able to find something funny. And I'll laugh at anything. You know me, George. You know I will. But anytime we're talking about, you know, poking at somebody because of the trying to make the best bad decision relative to the pandemic, it's I always want to make sure that relative to the pandemic is included in any one of those sentences. And uh, and again, I'm all for roasting BYU. Um, I'm all for. Cougars fans being being in their feelings, especially being somebody who's, you know, who's from Wyoming. And that was the chosen rival for a really long time. And the best season of Wyoming football ever was when they went 10 and two, lost to BYU twice and didn't get into a bowl in 1996. So definitely still pissed at the Cougars for that. Uh, But I don't I I don't know, man. I, I what am I supposed to say that like, oh, they they already got nine games in like they're they're golden. It should have been Washington that was champion at the bit to make sure that they did whatever it took to 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 make that happen because that's the thing that you want is to just be able to get on the field and play games. Um, and and as it stands right now, BYU's played more football than anybody in the entire country. So I certainly don't feel sorry for them, and I, I I'm not you know I'm I'm not too eager to to, to poke at them for uh, wanting to make sure that they were in the best possible situation. Um, I get all that for sure. Yeah, I I think that BYU started listening to their own press clippings and reading them as well, and they think that they're better than they really are. They are playing good football, but I mean, if you give Washington this same schedule, what uh, what happens? You know what I mean? If if you give Washington State this probably this same exact schedule, what what happens? If you give UCLA the same schedule so so far, same thing. So I'm not getting ready to sit here and act like that this BYU team is that good. I'm not. Uh, you can save that for somebody else. I'm not buying it. Um, oh, uh, what was your thoughts about 
about the state of what well, well, I would say the the state of the Apple Cup in general, because there are some people asking that Washington State should cancel one of their one of their future games to make sure that uh, the Apple Cup gets played. Ooh, that's um, that would be interesting if the, if if you want that to be your priority. I guess that would make sense. I know that um, down here in Arizona, there's a podcast uh, called Speak of the Devils that that covers Arizona State that that I was a guest on for their season preview episode, and one of the co-hosts said I would rather have University of Arizona be the first game because if the whole season's going to fall apart, you want to make sure that you at least get that rivalry game in. But as someone who is on the side of at least one of the the, the rivalries with Washington, George, I, I had always heard that the the Apple Cup was a pretty secondary thing and wasn't actually extremely important to either either school. Am I am I wrong there? Is this something that should be done? No, I don't think it should be done. Uh, it, well. Okay, so if they were going to have a Pac-12 South matchup, I think that that should be done. You know, but but they've already had their game canceled against um, against Stanford. They have they missed their um, yeah they already had the game canceled against Stanford. They missed their yeah, they, and th- this is their second game that they're going to miss. So it's it's a problem, dude. Like. Uh, well, I, I guess the only thing that makes sense is to cancel the USC game and play that game. But then I think that that puts Washington in a weird spot, though, too. So I don't know if you can get it in. I know that these rivalry games are important, but, you know, it's priorities right right now because the Pac-12 does not have any wiggle room, which starting a week early for the teams that could have started a week early, I think in hindsight was the right answer. Well, we, we don't do, we don't do things the right or easy way here in the Pacific 12. <laughs> we, we do them our way. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So the, the PAC 12 though, now is supposed to announce, um, with this company called Connexon, movement tracking wearable that's going to be available for football this week or next week. And it should help with contact tracing. The SEC uses them already. The, de- the devices will be worn in basketball. The NBA uses them. Do you believe that this will stop either games from being canceled? I mean, well, the SEC uses them and it hasn't stopped, stopped there. But do you think that this will help out with the Pac-12 the way guys just don't get contact traced out like they did in Cal? Well, so what is close contact? Close contact is considered being like within six feet for like for more than fifteen minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then when you're so when you're going around and you're interviewing people about contact tracing, like that leaves space for somebody to say like, "Oh no, it was only twelve to fourteen minutes," and and that that could be pretty iffy. So taking it out of people's hands um, to me is probably a good thing of, of having people maybe not necessarily tell the whole truth because they're, they'd be able to gain from that Um, would probably go further in trying to get control of what's going on. 
Um, but then again, what if the other side of that is a lot more players become unavailable and a lot more games get canceled? So that this whole thing is is weird. I'm I'm almost always pro tech though, and so if there is a technological solution, is, is are these the same things that like beep when you get within six feet of somebody? <laughs> maybe that'll remind people to spread out a little bit, you know. Yeah, it might be like, hey, yo, 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 back, hey, you've been around him five minutes. In case he gets it, you will get contact traced out. Right. You know what I mean, yeah, dude. And and as we see, get, games are being canceled as we are we are on. Uh, so since Cincinnati's game versus Temple got canceled, and also a note about USC's game came across the wire as as well which says that USC did have one more player test positive, but the game is still scheduled as and is planned to go on as it's planned to go on, uh, pending uh, tests tomorrow and all of that. Right, we lost Oklahoma a couple hours ago as well. So everybody's kind of in the same, in the same boat. You never know. You never know what could Wait, happen. We, we, we lost Oklahoma because of Oklahoma? We lost Oklahoma – uh, because of, yeah, I think it might be because of Oklahoma. Yeah. There might've been a positive test within the Oklahoma program. And so their West Virginia game got postponed just now. Yeah. And teams do still have room to postpone pack 12, no room to postpone. That's what, man, you, you just need it one more week. I mean, and, and, and truthfully as an Oregon fan. Oh, and then also with, Wisconsin is toast because <laughs> they they can't even win the Big Ten championship. Tulsa's game is done. No, there are. I mean, it's only what Wednesday, but I guess since some games are on Thursday and Friday, this is a good sign. I guess because last week we had like sixteen games canceled. Yeah, and then keep um, an eye on University of Arizona because you know not 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 anything that I'm hearing that they're in danger of of having to cancel games, but. Pima County, where University of Arizona is located in Tucson, just shut down high school football. They just ended the season. Told all public Whoa. schools, you are done immediately. Most schools had only played two games. So, you know, knowing that that University of Arizona is in is in Pima County, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how the um, bureaucracy of of Tucson, Arizona handles telling all the high school kids they can't play while a, you know, taxpayer subsidized university continues to um, roll a team out there. It's just uh, having to deal with all these local municipalities is also still a hurdle um, that people really need to watch out for. Yep. Yep. Okay. So let's go over. um, Oh, well, actually, before we do anything else, Let's go over our reviews. Let's go over our reviews, Ralph. Because we are, um, yeah, because our reviews are very important to us. And we want to thank you guys, obviously, for all the reviews that, that you give. And also the comments about them, because those that's where the gold is. That's where the fun is. And Ralph asked you guys to leave a a four-star re- review if you like the podcast and then if we live up to your expectations and we modify <laughs> it enough that you know that way it's to your satisfaction but i say we put on a five-star program from the beginning you give people what they deserve from from the beginning you don't have to that that's like this reminds me of when i was a uh 
a freshman at the Buckley School. And I led our team in, I think, points, assists, rebounds, and yeah, points, assists, rebounds, and blocks as a freshman on the varsity. And they gave the MVP to somebody else because he was a senior. And they said that it's important, well, that I could get it a, a different year because it's pretty much a senior award. I was like, How, what kind of assist does that make? And this is what you're asking for, Ralph. Hey, I'm just asking for an interactive experience with our fans. You're the one that leads off every show saying that this is five Pac-12 fans, four Pac-12 fans. So I'm, I'm giving them the, the ability to to interact with us, to claim some some ownership. I like that. I like when they leave the four-star review and tell us what we can do to make it five. And then uh, don't forget that they actually did that and go back and make it five later because I think we have some people who have just left the four-star and then completely forgotten. So. See, I'm I'm not n- neglecting their importance because th- there is no show without the fans. There is no show without the rest of the apostles, bro. Like you, you know, if there's nobody to listen, there is no show. So I, I get that I am 100 on board with their importance. I just don't see the need for four stars if they think it's a five star podcast. <laughs> okay, so what? Is- so what are the reviews, Ralph? All right. So <laughs> it took me a minute to figure out this one, but it's uh, from Young Rowdy, five-star review, titled Five Stars. And uh, the review just says, that's what she said. And I, it just hit me that I threw one of those in yes. quietly in our previous episode. So looks like we, we have a, an Office fan, um, and, and it got us a five-star review. So you're welcome, George. Well, I I love The Office. It's one of my all time favorite shows. Who's your favorite character? Um, oh, um, oh, uh, Jim, Jim. Okay, I'm a Jim guy. Okay, who are you? Uh, I'm a big fan of the Warehouse Guys. <laughs> I think any episode that involves like Craig Robinson and and everybody from the Warehouse oh, is like. I just watched basketball with with my son, where where they were playing basketball in the where, warehouse against uh, against Pam's fiance and um, and all the rest of the warehouse guys. Yeah. And Michael pretends to to get injured. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was funny. And I mean Patrice um, O'Neill, like Patrice O'Neill being in in that show is, you know, I know he's only in like, uh, you know. 10 episodes maybe throughout the whole thing but he's the best um okay what what's the other review all right so our other review is a four-star review i'm sorry it says i listen every week this is from chase me 2288 great pod Uh, i listen every week and i recommend you do the same if you're a pac-12 fan from George's perspective and breakdown as a former player to Ralph's hilarious comparisons, this pod has me entertained through the entire episode. Hashtag extend Cristobal. P.S. Will change to a five star if George repents and slash or admits <laughs> chocolate and peanut butter belong together. There is not a snowball's chance in hell. That I will be, because I, I, I fashion myself as an honesty broker, right? 
And so why on earth would I admit that peanut butter and chocolate go well together when they are atrocious together? Atrocious. Butterfingers, I'll say it again in case anybody needs to know. Butterfingers, Reese's Pieces, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, anything like that is trash. Absolute trash. I would rather eat, I would rather never eat a Snickers. Well, I would rather eat solely Almond Joy or uh, Mounds than ever eat a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup or a Reese's Pieces. How about that? Okay, well, uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup is the number two selling candy bar in the United States. So, I mean, you're not correct. Uh, no, I I am correct. The, I mean, people don't season or wash their chicken either b- b- before they cook. Are it. you blaming white. white people for Reese's Peanut Butter Cup <laughs> being popular? <laughs> Where did you get this white people thing, Ralph? I didn't say white oh, people. Oh, well, who's not seasoning their chicken? There there are some people who don't season their chicken. And those people are? People who don't season their chicken, Ralph. <laughs> I mean, I don't I, I don't know. So I mean, are you I saying mean, guys, are you saying that guys, all right, all right, here's I what mean, I'm asking you. I mean, here's what I'm asking does you. Does anybody else get that I'm talking about white people because I don't know what you guys are talking about right now? Okay. Okay. I I Thing one, are you saying? Are you saying specifically? This this here's what we need to figure out. Are you saying specifically that the Venn diagram of people who enjoy Reese's peanut butter cups and people who don't season their chicken is a circle, or are you saying that there are people who don't season their chicken and enough of them so that it would be totally fair to expect? that if there are that many people that don't season their chicken, that there are also that many people with bad taste who eat Reese's peanut butter cups. Yes. Yes. The uh, second thing. Okay. All right. I thought it was the first thing. And I was like, all right, well, I didn't know. I didn't know we were going to get into racial territory with, uh, w- with the candy bar discussion. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's definitely a lot of dumb people in the world for sure. Um, but I don't think that taste is an a, is an intelligence thing like physical taste with your mouth no no it's it's how you grew up i mean like if you grew up in in southeast asia you have a different taste profile okay so what's the weirdest thing what is the weirdest thing that you realize after growing up and being around other people that maybe your family ate that you that wasn't necessarily for everybody nothing i've never come across that but i have come across that in other people's families well my mine had it my hand it my we we did some poor people stuff my dad liked to dip uh frozen pizza in ketchup so i did it from a young age i I didn't know that it was weird until until you admit it to somebody and they like treat you uh (laughs) like you just like revealed that you're a criminal um so i get that but i don't think that mixing peanut butter and chocolate is like some shameful dipping a, pizza in ketchup it is, thing. It is, it is equivalent to uh, this guy I know that does a radio show up in Portland named Brian. Brian, no, he puts Velveeta cheese on tacos. He not melted Velveeta cheese, just slices it up and puts it on tacos. Oh, that's a little weird. I, I do and, like melted Velveeta though. Or putting ketchup on tacos. 
Both of those things are out of bounds, dude. And that's where Reese's Pieces and Reese's Peanut Butter Cups lie. Oof. There. There, 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 I said it. And regarding your first thing, if the shoe fits. All right, so then um, how mad are you? Uh, you can't be, you can't keep hitting on this. Like, hey, well, not all our reviews are five star when you can't just take the easy W and admit a thing that everyone thinks, everyone except you thinks is true. No, everybody clearly does not think that. I don't get it. I don't get how you can't just acknowledge that it is, at, at, like, that the people who feel that it is a good thing, like that it would be a good thing for them. No, every, everybody is entitled to have, to eat what they, what they <laughs> want to eat. It, it doesn't mean that it, that it's not bad, dude. All right. Look, when, when I have leftover spaghetti at, at home yeah. um, and it's not enough for a full meal, I'll put a can of chili in it. What the hell? Yes. That, I mean, that's like poor people stuff. That's the stuff I did when, when, when I was younger. I will put a block of bologna on my smoker and put barbecue sauce on it. And then slice thin slices, put them in a pan, and put it on a piece of white, white bread with some mustard. This is going to end up a three-star review. I'm just saying, bro. Such is, such is life. Um, you will dip a bologna block in barbecue sauce. But you and, and smoke it, yeah, it, yeah. But you won't eat a peanut butter M M&M. and M. Oh God, no! Oh no, 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 no! I don't even eat regular M and M's. Only, only peanut M and M. What is peanut butter for to you then? Like, what is it for? It is for smoothies. It's for um, uh, sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah, that, th- th- those are the optimal uses for a peanut butter. All right, I mean, it's to put in the middle of your your dog's bones. Like that's what. <laughs> you know, those are the three. So, so what you're basically saying is dogs have it right because if you put chocolate in the peanut butter in the dog bone, they would die. They will die. Exactly. <laughs> see, thank you. I'm glad we got to the, see it. We 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 finally closed the loop. You're on. just trying to save. Dogs, you're just an animal advocate, uh, and I'm trying to save save humans too, dude. <laughs> trying, trying to save humans, okay? Because because people's taste buds are clearly broken. That's why they come to to my house and eat, or to my mom's, and they're like, "Damn, bro, like this this seasoning on here is amazing." And I'm like, oh, "Okay, this is the house that you grew up in, and it's not just white people." Uh, there's a teammate that I played with who was a fabulous <laughs> player who's from Florida. And when I moved down there, I went to his house. I went to his mom's house and she cooked. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Black Southern lady. And she didn't know how to cook like that. So yeah. So it's not just, yeah, it's not just, it's not the, the melanin that makes your food bland or bad. It's, it's who taught you how to do it. I'm actually like, I'm straight up on Google right now. trying to find out like, if Reese's knows which race of people buys their products. <laughs> that would be a good sign. Who who buys more of it? Okay, let's get to the games, bro. As you continue to try to find that out. Uh, so last week, we had um, four Pac-12 games go off. The Colorado State, uh, well, the 
the Arizona State Colorado game got called off because of Arizona, and the Stanford Washington State got game got called off because of um, Arizona State. I'm sorry, because of because of Washington State. So here we are, Ralph. Um, yeah, so the, the first game that we're going to talk about is a game that was not in terms of a lot of consequence in the Pac-12, but it was noteworthy, though. Um, Cal, who is 0-2 now, lost to Oregon State, 31-27. to Actually, Ralph, before we even get started, let's talk about what are our standings right now with our picks. I'm, Actually, <laughs> I'm giving yeah. you the option to not talk about it if you would like. What were the results from last week, Ralph? Okay, so uh, we went into the week. You were... Five and three against the spread. I was four and four. I went four and zero oh against the spread. I don't know if you were just feeling uh, contrarian, but you went zero oh and four against the spread. So that brings my record against the spread on the season to eight and four, and yours to five and seven. Um, and then straight up, I was also four and zero, oh, and you went two and two. So. My record straight up uh, on the season is now nine and three, and yours is eight and four. Okay, okay. So I'm in. I'm in. I'm right where I want to be. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so we got Cal, Cal and Oregon State, and Cal won by four points. I clearly picked. Who, who did I pick? Pick in this game? I picked. Uh, you picked Cal. Cal to win. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you you like had an existential crisis on whether you thought Cal was going to screw you over by only winning by three points. And with like a minute left, Cal was up by three and I was laughing pretty hard about it. And uh, and then it didn't matter because Oregon state won the game. Yeah. So Jamar Jefferson rushed for 186 yards on 18 carries. Are we, are we revisiting your, your PAC 12 running back rankings? No. Well, actually, we can. We can. I Okay, so I have said that uh, that Gary Brightwell from Arizona is the best back in the Pac-12. That has not changed, Ralph, just because it is Cal-Oregon State game. Jamar Jefferson is having a good season so far. He's having a really good season so far. He's leading the Pac-12 in rushing right now. And he also, you know, so so he's doing a very good job. He has, oh no, no, sorry, he's second in the comp. Well, he has the most total yards. Um, the, the the kid Jared Broussard is averaging more yards per game with 154 versus Jamar Jefferson, who's averaging 149.7. But one has played three games, the other one's played two. And Jamar Jefferson has rushed for 449 total yards. There, what what do you want me to say, Ralph? Like Gary Brightwell is still a better back. That doesn't mean that. And, and truthfully, the second best back in the Pac-12 plays for UCLA. And then I'm going Jamar Jefferson. Interesting. Um, I don't know. I I didn't agree with you about Gary Brightwell last week, but I don't think we can hold this week against him because they didn't really use him. They got down big, and then. They, they weren't really going to try to run the ball out of a 37-0 hole. 
But I think, I mean, I think just as far as your traditional north-south running back, your Kenyon Drake-style running back, I like I like Jamar Jefferson right now the most in the Pac-12. Um, I, I don't think you can hold this performance against him. He did what he was supposed to. No, he, he did. I think he's a good back. Um, what was your impression of the rest of the Oregon State offense? Because – Tristan Jebbia, 12 for 20. This kid's not doing this kid's not having a good go at it. Pro, right but, but we've talked about pro football focus and what they think of quarterbacks. Pro football focus likes him. They have him currently rated. And again, these are ratings. They grade them. Uh it's not it's not like a power ranking of quarterbacks where it's just their opinion after watch. They grade every play. And and I'm, you know, I've poked fun at them a lot because of how much they like Grant Gunnell, who who they currently, I think, have is eleventh <laughs> in in the Pac-12. But I, I, I like Grant Gunnell. They have, uh, they have Jebia is fourth, and I just hit. How I mean, dude. So his arms not I, his. He just doesn't. I, he's he's fine. He's, he's fine. He's fine. But you're right. He doesn't get out on the move as much as I'd like to see him. Even though he caught a touchdown pass, he doesn't get out on the move as much as I'd like, and he, it's just you see the difference between his arm and other guys' arms, right? Like, you see it. I see the difference between a Tyler Shuck and a Tristan Jebbia and a Jaden Delora and a Jaden Daniels. It Jebbia, the ball just comes out a little slower. I And I don't know, I don't think that that's part of pro football focus's grading system. It's just, you know, does the ball get there? Does he go through his reads? Um and all that, but I just, I, I was not impressed and I have not been impressed so far. I just want to know what you thought of him being ranked fourth by PFF in the PAC 12. Okay. So I have Tyler Shug of, uh, above him, Jaden Delora above him. Uh, Sam Neuer's playing pretty well too. Sam Neuer's number one, according to them. Yeah. And uh, Keaton Slovis as well. Cause he's come up clutch, even though he's been kind of, eh. During the rest of it, I mean, I, I'm just hard pressed to find how you have a guy fourth with two touchdowns, three interceptions. I mean, I, I like I get ranking him above Stanford's quarterback, um, well, quarterbacks because they've had two of them start. Jake Bentley at uh, Utah, who wasn't, yeah, who wasn't very good. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, and Dylan Morris at Washington, he didn't do anything the first game. Second game was better, but he was playing against Oregon State's defense, so only God knows what what I'm no, I'm sorry, against Arizona, so who knows? And Chase Garbers has not been looking all that great either. So I mean, I guess you can put him fifth, no, like sixth. I don't know, man. He, he's just not. He's not a guy that I'm saying. Oh wow, I I can't wait to. I can't wait to see what Tristan Jeb- Jebby is doing. He's technically sound, but it's something about when you put the pads on, you put the bright lights on, it just doesn't come together. Yeah, I mean, even what? even like high, 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 high end Tristan Jebby, kind of reminds me of Max Hall a little bit. Um, and Max Hall's NFL run was left a little bit to be desired. So I don't know, man. I, I just I w- I'm I was not super impressed with him, although he had a pretty good game and they got the win. He did everything that that 
was to ask of him. But I, I would say that in that game, when Chase Garbers was actually making plays, it was very clear the difference between those two quarterbacks. And I, I thought it, what's weird about this Cal team is I saw some real flashes of not greatness, but goodness, you know, um, what, but what I cannot get over is the fact that if you take out uh, the, uh, let's see here, their rushing stats. If you take out the 23 yard run by Marcel Dancy, he was 16 carries for 53 yards. That's terrible. Yep. And if you take out the 12 yard run by Damian Moore, he was 11 carries for 21 yards. How, how do you only average 3.3 yards per carry against Oregon state's defense? Only, only God knows. But, but part of that is, has to do with kind of how, uh, what happened with in the Oregon and the UCLA game, which is UCLA sold out against the a run and forced him to try to throw it over their 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 head, which is kind of what um, was was the case in it, in this game. They were going to try to stop Cal from running the football and force him to pass it, and they couldn't beat them doing it. Yeah, the biggest surprise of this game for me uh, was Kakoa Crawford, who had. Oh, from the the receiver from Cal? Yeah, four catches as a freshman, 17 as a sophomore, 16 as a junior. One catch in their previous game and then went off for 10 catches for 140 yards and a touchdown. He had like a career <laughs> in this game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he he matched yeah, he almost like eclipsed his career stats. Hopefully he's found something. Hopefully Tristan Jebbia has found something. But here's the thing I noticed about Cal. Um, they didn't have a whole bunch of shakeups on on their staff. They had one coach leave to go to the, the Miami Dolphins, their, their defensive backs coach. But if you look, their defense is terrible this year. Yes, they lost a leading tackler in the Pac-12. That was a big deal. They lost uh, Ashton Davis at safety, and they lost a cornerback as well. But that shouldn't make your defense that bad. So what is the difference? Well, there's a new play caller. You have Tim DeRuiter, who had been the the, the play caller for that defense for the last couple years that they've been really good. And then they uh, Justin Wilcox switched him out. For mine and Justin Wilcox's former teammate uh, in, in Peter Sermon, who was a linebacker. Switched him out from there, and something's different. I, I don't want to just say he's terrible, but something ain't right. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, there, there definitely looks to be a talent issue too, though. Um, and it, 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 feels like, it feels like COVID as much as – you know, I, I, you got to throw Stanford and Arizona State up there, but it, it looks like COVID has really kind of taken the wind out of Cal's sails and the momentum that they had going into the season. Um, they seem to play like how I feel, which is that all of this doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and we're I'm just counting down the days till the 2021 season. That's what they look like when they go out there. And I don't know how much of that to put on Peter Sermon. I guess we'll see if they improve um, at, as things go forward. But the not having the defensive line be able to practice with your team and then not having them all be able to practice together, um, none of it is really a recipe for success unless you really have everything 
together and, and, you know, say what you want about Cal only really losing a few people out of their secondary. They were very important players and, you know, they also lost the, the leading tackler in the entire pac 12. Um, but the defensive line is definitely a step down from what they were producing last year. And, uh, you know, the guys over, um, at, uh, 12 pack radio podcast, they, they told us that this was going to happen and we kind of didn't believe it, I think. So, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe they they were just correct. Dude, I did not. Okay, so I wasn't buying it because, I mean, if you had told me that they were going to make a, a change in defensive play calling, I may have bought it. But they made a change, and it made no sense to make a change. Everything was fine. Like, you had one of the better defenses in the country the last couple of seasons, but then you change your coordinator? Okay, let me, let, let me make that make sense to me. Um, so... Yeah, Cal doesn't look very good right now in Oregon State. I guess they're better because they won. Um, next game up. A game that was competitive initially, but then USC ended up blowing the doors off, kind of. They won 33-17 to at Utah. So I picked this game, and I felt confident in my pick as long as uh, – but Utah lost their quarterback. Cameron Rising, who started the game. He didn't look – yeah, yeah, wait. Cameron Rising started the game, right? Yes, and then he's out yeah. for the season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then Jake Bentley came in. I, I got confused when I looked at the stats. And then Jake Bentley came in. Jake Bentley did not look very good. Yeah, well <laughs> – here's the thing here's the thing is like i can't even be like oh you and you and i had this you know long standing back and forth about who was gonna start for utah and i want to come in here and be like i was right but cam rising like had one play and then he's out for the season so i don't know i don't really know what to say here (laughs) it doesn't feel like he won no no that that wasn't good at all dude it was just a bad – it was a bad look. It was a bad look for Utah. They had trouble running the ball against USC and kind of all the hallmarks of what Utah is. I know it was their first game compared to USC's third, but that's still got to be a little bit concerning, right? Yeah, and it honestly, it felt like USC was screwing up on offense a little bit. Like when it was 30 – or it was 24 to 17 at the half, I personally felt like, USC had blown a couple of opportunities for it to be a lot worse than it was. Um, I mean, you, Utah got carved up in this game. Let's, let's be honest. Like, like it, you, you might look at the rushing stats and you, you have to throw out the fact that Keaton Slovis, you know, was minus 21 of that uh, and say that they had, you know, they actually had 26 carries for, you know, 120 yards or something like that. Uh, and and that's pretty good, especially considering the kind of offense they run. And a lot of it was just them trying to kill clock at the end of the game. And Malapai continues to not be able to get yards, but does get in the end zone again. Um, but it, what really uh, surprised me about this game 
was Brew McCoy had five catches. Tyler Vaughn's had four catches. Amon Ross St. Brown had five catches. Drake London had three. Croman Hook had uh, three. Malapai had four. Like, it, it didn't matter. They, they just, they, they lost so much depth from that defensive backfield and from the defensive front that uh, Keaton Slovis had time to pass the ball 35 times and hit a bunch of different receivers. Um, and it, it, I was looking at this game thinking like, man, if USC had any idea what they were doing, this would be a 40-point blowout. Okay, but what do you think that that's due to, though, right? Is that due to the fact that USC, um, that is this a Graham Harrell issue? If the, is this a, what, what, what is it? Uh, I think, I think uh, a couple of things. Um, there is no, there really is no run. There's no run game threat whatsoever. None. And so when, when, I mean, even under leech, they could run the ball. Like they would use the pass to set up the run. They could run the ball. Um, USC can't. Uh, which puts Keaton Slovis in kind of a weird position to just need to be on constantly. Um, and so there's that. And then there's the fact that their defense and, and their offense to some extent is still young and figuring it out. Um, they, and, and you're going to laugh. This is going to be one of those things that I s- say out loud and then you make fun of me for it, but hear <laughs> me out on this. Yes, it is an advantage for USC to have played three teams in a row who are playing their first game of the season. I get that. There is also an issue with playing somebody for the first time all season in that you don't have any information on them whatsoever. So you're totally going on just the talent of Graham Harrell against what is essentially a blank slate. Correct, but but USC as well hasn't. They haven't. Um, I well, they have the advantage of the problem that every other team has had in their first games of the season. They have trouble tackling. Yeah, it's been tough to tackle. So when teams have trouble tackling, getting lined up, all all of that. So imagine. Okay, so if Utah had played USC week one like Arizona State did. We haven't seen whether Arizona State is better or not since then, but do you think that the results of the the way the USC offense executed, everything else, that they would have been better um, against USC in week one than Utah would have been? Uh, you're asking me if Arizona State would have done better in this situation against Utah? Yes. No, 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 no. If Utah would have done better against USC in week one with uh, a, a healthy quarterback. Yeah, no. Well, this kind of was that for them, right? I mean, the element of surprise was gone for you know USC having put two weeks of film on tape. But y- Utah, if my memory serves me correctly, has always sort of struggled with the air raid. Mike Leach used to mess Utah up pretty often, right? So Utah was already at a disadvantage in that they haven't fully solved this yet and that they're at a massive talent drain from previous seasons. So I think that Utah did probably about as well as they could have under the, under the circumstances. Was there anybody from Utah that, that kind of stood out to you? I, I, 
was not impressed with Jordan Wilmore. You know, I thought he was going to be the guy for them this year. He had 10 carries for 30 yards. Um, yeah, but they couldn't block anybody up uh, up front, and running backs are only as good as the the people who are blocking for yeah. them on, on some level. If they can't get started, then it doesn't matter. There, they were. They're another. They they uh, they had a thirty three yard run from Jake Bentley, um, a twenty two yard run from Devin Brumfeld, and a twenty one yard run from Jordan Wilmore, and those three runs made up like all of their rushing the rest of the carries the rest of those 25 carries that they had in this game i think went for something like 40 yards so that's that's huge for for usc once they got to the second level obviously on those individual plays and the jake bentley thing was kind of a broken play um then they they did a lot of damage but i don't know man i i I walked away from this utah game not overly impressed with anybody uh except for maybe nephi sewell and yeah he, he he had a good good game he had yeah. a touchdown and interception i like the samson nakua touchdown i was kind of nice but other than that I, I don't know man even their punter w- had an off game and i'm not used to seeing that from a utah team four punts 36 yard average that would be absolutely insane bro uh, that well, that was just a bad performance. And I said Utah was going to be bad th- this year. Remember when people were picking? Oh, who's going to win the Pac-12 South? Is it going to be? No, you didn't. You you were very confused. And I, I remember we talked about it. You were really confused as to why people were including Utah in the conversation as to who could challenge for the Pac-12 South. Is it yeah, is the Pac-12 South over with? Yes. What are you talking about? Who can? Okay. Arizona State can't win it. Right. Um, UCLA would, would have to go on a three-game winning streak and, and and beat USC and have USC lose. Um, and that's probably again. the most likely scenario of anything else that we could come up with. That's the only possible scenario because Arizona's not doing it. And they it. lost head-to-head. Yep. Yeah, so... The Pac-12 South is over. Oh, wait, hold on. Hold on. No, it's no, it's not. Ralph, what are we talking about? We have a game this weekend that is probably going to be played. You, Colorado versus USC. So we're doing it. We're just going to go ahead and crown the Buffaloes. Because this is something we talked about last week. No, no, I'm not crowning them, but I'm saying that they have a chance. I Well, I think that that's the team that has the most likely shot of beating USC of anybody in their in their initial schedule but at the same time i could also see them turning around and doing what they always do tank in the second half of the season and and lose four straight games yeah Yeah, that's entirely possible too so they could be Um, they could i the the scenario exists where they could absolutely beat usc and then just lose out yeah so and i got this game wrong too by the by the way um next game up okay ralph I, I, I was absolutely shocked. Okay. Call me. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the Pac-12 apostles. We do the podcast, but I'm going to be honest here. I'm going to pull back the curtain. I just, for the first time, saw the final score of the Washington-Arizona game. And I was absolutely floored. Ralph, 
I was floored when I saw the score. Because the last thing that I I turned the game off. So like uh there were other there was other stuff on, so I was flipping back and forth and I completely stopped watching the game at the end of the third quarter. Right. So you it you missed the you missed the four to touchdowns fourth for U of A. Correct. Yeah. I and when I looked, I was like, how the hell did Arizona get 27 points? Because I was trying to figure out, I was like, why didn't Washington get more consideration from the college football playoff? Because number one, the game was late, so people didn't watch the game. And then they saw the score 27 to 44, but that's not it. The, the, it was 37 to zero. They scored 28 points in garbage time, which is a problem. Like I, I get that that you've put other people in, but you style points matter in in this season. And Grant Grant Gunnell or Grant Gunnell, however you say it, says Nate finished twenty seven for thirty nine, two fifty nine, and three touchdowns, and probably ninety percent of that, obviously all the touchdowns, but ninety percent of that came in the fourth quarter. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he had uh, forty passing yards with five minutes left in the third quarter. I think he ended the third quarter with like fifty-seven passing yards. Washington just quit. They just quit, and I'll tell you exactly when it happened. It happened when um, uh, the line was it a linebacker for University of Arizona, Paris something, um, Paris Shand. When Paris Shand sacked Dylan Morris late in the third quarter, that was when everything changed. Because then Peyton Henry missed a field goal. Um, and when Peyton Henry missed a field goal, University of Arizona took the ball and they went down and scored. And then Washington scored on three plays. And then U of A got the ball back, scored again, and then a three and out for Washington. UVA got the ball back, scored again. Another three and out for Washington. UVA got the ball back, scored again, and then the game ended. So it was it they just they just turned it off. But that's a problem though, right? I mean Is it? They were up they were up thirty seven to nothing attempting a field goal with less than a minute left in the third quarter of the game. How do you keep that energy? Like, there's not even a crowd. I, I don't – so when your backups come in, they shouldn't give up 27 points in a quarter. That's my that's my point. I, I mean, I guess, but it would be a lot easier to not give up 27 points in a quarter if you didn't have two three and outs and a one – and a three-play drive that ended with a 50 – four-yard touchdown run from Richard Newton, which, by the way, we do have somebody out there who's keeping me accountable on everything bad that I said about all these University of Washington running backs and wanted to make sure that on this uh, podcast I gave Richard Newton some love. I am looking forward to seeing what University of Washington does in their running game this week. This is a prove-it week for me. If they can do it against Utah um, after Malapai averaged three yards a carry, if they can do it against Utah, then I'll start talking more positive about more than just Sean McGrew um, in this running game. Richard Newton 
is going to make an argument for at least one of the top 10 running backs in the Pac-12. I can I can see that. I can see that. So what was your ultimate takeaway from the Huskies? Because mine was their defense was absolutely smothering for three quarters. And I was like, wow, this team, I didn't, I was confused about what to make out of them because they came out throwing the ball after uh, J- Jimmy Lake came out with a hat that said, run the damn ball which clearly threw Arizona off because of what they did against Oregon State. And the Arizona coaches were like, well, they're going to run it, they're going to run it. And then they came out bombs away on the first play. Yeah, I, my initial thought was like, holy cow, these guys rolled deep, deep, deep. Um, I remember last week I said I wasn't sure that uh, Zion Tupeloa Fatui was – that he had a good game or that he just had two good plays. And then he comes out in this game, he has two sacks and two tackles for loss. And it's like, oh, no, he's a, he's really good, actually. <laughs> he's, he, yeah, he was good no. all game long. Um, University of Arizona just didn't have an answer, and the pressure came from everywhere. This was quite a defensive performance. I can't really speak to what happened in the fourth quarter because it was pointless. The whole thing was just completely pointless. Um, University of Washington should have even been up by by more, you know, when they weren't able to to do some things on offense. Um, so yeah, the defense was fantastic, but the real takeaway for me uh, in this game uh, actually was that Dylan Morris showed off that he he could actually he could sling it a little bit. That was um, not something that I saw from him last week. And uh, yeah, I mean they're they're an impressive team. I don't know if they're the best team in the in the Pac-12 or, or anything, but they showed me something for sure in this game. Yeah, I thought that, I was like, oh, this is a good, this, yeah, I was like, this could be a really good good, good football team. Like, that this is good. Um, uh, next thing, oh, the, the last game of the weekend was the Oregon versus, yeah, the Oregon game. Who, who the heck did they play? UCLA. <laughs> I get it. Uh, You've UCLA already tried to wipe it from your memory because it was ugly. Yes, it was. And Oregon has not been playing well in the first half, even though they were up twenty-one to four. Uh, even though they were up twenty-four to seventeen at halftime, thanks to in thanks to a pick six with no time on the clock. So that's back-to-back weeks they've had amazing plays to close the the uh, half. Tyler Shug goes for three touchdowns. Chase Griffin, UCLA's quarterback, he had a really measured and a good day. Like, they didn't ask him to do too much. And the fact that he wasn't a turnover machine, even though he had two interceptions, one of them was late in the game when he was forced to, you know, push the ball down the field some. And like, and then, then the other one he got crushed on. So I actually was like, he might be better than Dorian Thompson Robinson. Better or better for the team? Ooh. Maybe both. No. Maybe a tad bit of both. Come on. Dorian Thompson Robinson is at least one of the more talented players in the Pac-12. He just doesn't he doesn't really He's the Javel McGee of Pac-12. JaVale McGee? <laughs> Just tragic, tragic bronze ends up on uh, shacking up every week. In a fool. Yes, he ends up on shacking a fool. That's what he does. He makes a bunch of good plays. He's a at, at times has deserved to be an NBA starter. 
He has now won an NBA championship. He's a, you know, he deserves to be on an NBA roster. But at the same time, he does shack into fool things, which makes it hard to win football games. And this, and this kid, Chase Griffin, is clearly not a shacked in the fool guy. So I think that that makes it easier for UCLA to win football games, and I would consider a change. Interesting. I mean, they lost. They lost to a better football team. They lost because he threw a pick six before the half. I mean, you could put that on Chip Kelly, though. Could have just taken a knee. Okay, here, here's, here are the, some fundamental truths that we learned in this game. Oregon's offensive line might not be as good as uh, as people were touting them to be, especially in the run game. 34 carries for 88 yards is brutal. 2.6 yards a carry. Can't do that, especially against UCLA. Um, perhaps UCLA recruiting 400 linebackers was actually a good idea. Um <laughs> CJ Verdell, 12 carries for 18 yards. Can't have that. Um, and, and, and a fumble six. Yeah. I, are we going to talk about Travis Dye? What do you want to talk about about Travis What Dye? do you want to talk about about Travis Dye? Nothing. Okay. All right. I, I have nothing to say about Travis Dye except for, I mean, he, so he had he caught a pass. He he caught one pass for thirty two yards and a touchdown. And he had yeah and a touchdown. Um and ten carries for forty yards. Okay, he he had a punt return of nineteen and a punt return of fifteen that both made me spit my drink out. You you we talked on the phone when it happened. You weren't as concerned with his punt return antics as I was. He doesn't feel like a punt returner to me, which is which is concerning. Like I he feels like a kick returner, but not a punt returner. I I think that Travis Dye is a decent running back. I don't I don't think he sucks. Okay. Because he clearly doesn't. Well but he's not special. He's a good running back, but he's not a special running back. Like nothing nothing about Travis Dye says NFL. Nothing at all. Is um, is that the is that the mark though? Can we can you just be a good college football player? I mean, we are talking about the Pac twelve. I mean, you just got to get the job. Not done. A, I wouldn't even say that he's a. I would say he's an adequate college football player. Someone needs to tell these Pac twelve defenses that keep letting him score. Bro, it's it's scheme a lot. It's scheme a lot. The, but on the other side of the ball. I have continued to be impressed by Demetric Felton. I was impressed with him uh, last year when they had him switch in between wide receiver and running back. And this dude looks like a running back who plays for the Patriots. Were you as impressed? Were you as impressed as the broadcast crew was? Because they were going overboard. Mm, yes. Yes. They call, okay. They called him Alvin Kamara. And at one point they used the, they used the name Ladanian Tomlinson, and I was like, "Whoa, can we we gotta slow down." Slow down. He's fine, but, but I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I I mean, Ladanian Tomlinson. Oh, but hold on. Remember that Alvin Kamara didn't start at Tennessee. 
I, you, I remember watching him play, and I was like, why don't they give him the ball more? This dude is electric and dynamic. Demetric Felton can run routes because he was a wide receiver. Yeah. He can clearly tote the pill. He's a full-time running back. I got nothing but glowing things to say about, about him. But as far as an NFL back, I still got Gary Brightwell one, and now my 1B is Demetric Felton. Mm, I don't like how high he runs. I mean, if we're looking at him as an NFL, he's up there. I mean, he's just standing straight up. Also, but, Oregon's but defense. Having trouble tackling them. Oregon's defense isn't that good. You watch your mouth before I wash it out with soap. Oh my gosh! I see. I would do. I would have an easier time keeping you from washing my mouth out with soap than Oregon does at keeping UCLA for running for two hundred and fifty yards. You're right. That was a terrible performance against the run. Giving up 267 yards, that, that's not going to cut it, bro. That it, is not going to cut they it. They use that, that bend, is, but. That is porous. They use that. That, is, they use that, that wasn't bend, but don't break. Bend, but also break it. anyway. Yeah. 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 Bend, and, bend and break. No, they use the entire bend, but don't break energy on Noah Sewell's ankle. Yeah. Dude, I, but, but I do want to give Chip Kelly a ton of credit because. Because he did a really good job. Every time Oregon, it seemed like Oregon had an answer, he switched something up. He switched up the way that he was running the uh, fo- football because they stopped they stopped to the run some in the second half. And then in, after halftime, they started pulling people. Uh, they started running some gap scheme running plays. And it, he just did a really good job of coaching. So I wanted to give Chip Kelly credit for that. Well, and we need to talk about – help me out with this name here, number 92 – <laughs> number 92 for ucla he is it uh hold on one second he was destroying everybody Odigizua. all game long osa odigizua yep man where did he come from i mean obviously he came from portland but like he he it says he he actually like had a good season last year but i didn't I don't even remember him really. Ten tackles for a loss last year, three and a half sacks. But he was he was playing like dominating well, he's football. He's a monster, bro. Yeah, he's a monster. And he's one that's of those good. dudes that's only six two. So you know, there's a bunch of teams in the Pac-12 who don't want anything to do with him. Arizona State. <laughs> even though Arizona State's got two sub six foot two defensive linemen that are actually high producers on their roster. <laughs> yeah, but they want they want more. They want more. They think that no. They want. They want to roll the monsters out there for sure. Yep. Um, okay. Um, oh, what what was your take on Tyler Shug? He's fine. He's fine. He's he's got to do more. He's got to, uh, you know, not, completing nineteen passes and throwing for over three hundred yards. You sold them to us. Yeah, he's got he's got to do more. I don't think he's leaving. I don't think he's leaving after his redshirt sophomore year, which he could technically do if he wanted to. Um, I think that uh, I have not seen a lot from him thus far on intermediate routes, and that's going to be the thing that takes 
Oregon to the next level. Obviously, he's bringing way more in the running game than I ever would have expected of him uh, to the point where they're calling like five or six designed runs for him. And he's able to scramble for yards when when they need him to. So that's a pleasant surprise to me. Obviously, the deep ball is it's not always there, but it's been there. He's not. You know, not too many of his throws are like eye gougingly frustrating. Um, I don't know, man. I think all the pieces are there. I just would like to see him, and maybe this has to do a little bit with 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 Oregon's scheme as well. But I'd like to see him hitting some twelve, fifteen yard routes down the down the field. He has managed to make multiple tight ends on that offense look like they're NFL tight ends. Like, where the hell did Hunter Campmoyer come from as a pass catcher? You know, so the fact well, that he's able to use all these different receivers is kind of nice. Well, that was the thing for for him is that he wanted to make sure that he was getting a lot better in in the past game. He did not do well prior to that. He dropped some balls last year, and that's what he f- focused on. And he came back strong. I, I was I, I was impressed. Um, okay, now for next week's games, next week's alleged games. <laughs> There are five games that are on the slate. Uh, Two of them are on Friday. There were supposed to be three on Friday, but now there are uh, two on Friday. And we will go over those slightly and see what uh, happens Uh, because they appear to be going on right now as of Wednesday. Um, Yeah, so you have Stanford at Cal. So it's time to make our picks, Ralph. And I am going to wreck you this week, just so you know. Stanford at Cal. Cal is favored by one and a half points. I, I am. I'm like the guy who's at the craps table right now, and I'm gonna just gonna try to double down every bet. Do uh, do a you want to bet, bet on the over under too? So you want to hear you 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 started losing. You, <laughs> you started out hot. You started losing for one second, and you want to add the over under into it. I'm not good at over unders. I think you know that, and so. Uh, <laughs> I, but I, I'm always game. I'm always game. Let's go. Okay. Perfect. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Man, you catch a sucker every day. Um, <laughs> okay. Cal and Stanford. Cal is favored by a point and a half. I can't figure out why. Um, give me Stanford and give me the over, over 52 points. Give me Stanford. So I don't need no damn points. Cal is losing this football game and Cal fans would probably be upset if they listened to this podcast, but there are no Stanford and there are no Cal fans. So, so I don't think anybody cares. Uh, give me the line one more time. I'm with you on the 52 and a half like that. It... Cal is favored by a point and a half. Okay. Cal's given up over 30 points two weeks in a row. Yep. Um, I'm rolling with yep. the, uh, I'm, 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 I believe we are witnessing a classic struggle bus and uh <laughs> situation and i'm on the bus so i'm i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with stanford in this one and i'm taking the over yeah cal's averaging 18 and a half points a game stanford's averaging 23 so that gives you 51 and a half wait what <laughs> that's bad math man what that's 40 41 <laughs> oh geez <laughs> 
All right. Well, I believe that Cal's defense is bad enough to give up some <laughs> additional points. All, all I need is an extra t- touchdown. And, of course, Jet Toner will be – this will be – Oh, he's going field goal 10, 10 field goals, no touchdowns, 30 points for, <laughs> for Sanford. 30 to, 30 to 27, Stanford. Let's go. All right. Um, next game up. You got the Colorado Buffaloes at the USC Trojans. This game appears to be going on. Both teams are 2-0. and this would be a disastrous loss for Clay Clay Helton. Who we have one US- you, one of your words is incorrect in that sentence. This would will be a disastrous loss, <laughs> dude. This is what Clay Helton does. This, it, it's a wonder that other people inside the locker room can't point this stuff out when it's easy to see from the outside. But can we talk about that tweet, the tweet I fired off of the Pac-12 South, the last nine games against Pac-12 opponents. Clay Helton is 8-1, and one, so he's in first place. Kyle Whittingham is 7-2. and two. Uh, okay. Herm Edwards and Chip Kelly are both 4-5. and five. And Kevin Sumlin is 0-9. And, and then I don't have anything for Colorado there because they went through a transition. But So if you're just talking about your last nine Pac-12 games, Clay Helton is the best coach in the Pac-12 South. And USC fans want him gone. Oh, they were so mad at that just factual tweet. They were so mad. And then everyone else, fan bases of other teams, were quote tweeting it saying, extend Clay Helton, including you. And uh, yeah, that, that upset the Trojan fan base for sure. Why would you fire a coach who's eight and one in in his last nine games? It doesn't make make sense. Keep Clay, keep Clay <laughs> Helton, keep Clay Helton. What's the spread? <laughs> what what is it? I just oh, USC is favored by eleven points. All right, well uh... minus eleven and over under sixty four. Under, Colorado, and straight up. Uh, dude, I am. I, I say the over hits and Colorado wins. Go. So, who, who did you have in Cal Stanford straight up? I'm just trying to keep track on my end. Uh, I have Stanford. Stanford okay. winning. Stanford. Uh, okay. Yep. And now I got Colorado. Colorado plus the uh, – now I'm going to go with Colorado with the straight-up win. I think that this is – that this has all the makings of a disaster for USC. Of everything that's happened in 2020, how weird amongst all of the weirdness would Carl Durrell running L.A. be? Oh, bruh. That would be absolutely fantastic in terms of a narrative, but <laughs> – it would be disastrous for my Ducks because in terms of getting in the college football playoff. So, Who would L.A. be more mad at, Carl Durrell or Montrezl Harrell? You cannot call him Mon- Montrezl. The Z is silent. Okay. In no, in no other word in the English language. Well, maybe his parents should not have put a random-ass Z in his name. <laughs> Actually... You know, you know what? I'm backtracking on my pick, Ralph. I'm picking Colorado. I'm taking Colorado plus the points USC straight up okay. because I need 
I need that to happen. So I'm going there. Are you you're, you're you're trying to find little wedges to where see you're going to bury yourself. This is what's happening. <laughs> it can't be that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> All right. Um Arizona at UCLA. UCLA is favored by 10 points. Do we have DTR Over. or not? Does it matter? Yes, it matters. The over under is sixty eight and a half. Under actually, actually, I th- I think that more points are scored if 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 uh, if DTR plays because because he'll he'll give the other team you know at least 10, 10 points. Yeah. So that'll help. Um, sixty eight and a half, Ralph. Sixty eight and a half. I don't like it. That, I don't like it. I'll go under. I'm I'm not an under better. I'm taking the over again. I'm taking the <laughs> over again. Um, but uh, I like Arizona in this game. I'm sorry, I like UCLA in this game. And but I don't like them to cover. I like Arizona to 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 beat the number. It's gonna be really funny with you going back and forth on on the two running backs you love the most. This is gonna yep. be this is gonna be just a fun weekend of you texting me random stuff because not only is this game going down where you have you you'll never not be watching a running back you love, but you also have on Sunday Justin Herbert against Josh Allen, and we gotta have some type of side bet on that. The Chargers lose leads. I'm not. Yeah, but no, no, yet. I'm not talking about the win. I'm talking about which quarterback Who has the plays better. Game? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm I will absolutely take a, a bet on that because Justin Herbert is a top eight quarterback in the NFL. All top right. eight. What are the stakes? Because I, I I think uh, what I would if if Josh Allen outperforms Justin Herbert, you gotta at least for an afternoon uh, change your 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 display name on Twitter. To Khalil Tate, number one fan. How about I change it to Josh Josh Allen? Josh one Allen, fan? number one fan. Okay, okay. Because, <laughs> because his family actually hates him. Uh, so uh, I I don't know if you saw. Wait, this. Or, or or was that your burner account hit, hitting me up when Josh Allen was was coming out in the draft? Now that I realize that it could be your burner. <laughs> I don't have a burner. I don't. I promise I don't have a burner. But uh, I have a lot of Twitter accounts that I run. I could use as a burner, but I don't. <laughs> I don't do that. Um, no. Okay. So Josh Allen, number one fan. And uh, okay. All right. What what what's the other side of that bet? Um. Hmm. That. Oh my gosh! That you have to. Oh, that that uh, that are that you have to change your name to the effect of um, um, or Oregon is better than uh, Oregon's better than Arizona schools. <laughs> so you just like all the risk on my end is that all of my followers will beat my ass when they see me in the streets. <laughs> all yours will be is like a few people will be like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> Well, 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 I will. I will also tweet about 
glowingly about Josh, Josh right. Allen. All right. And, and, and I, I will officially apologize to Josh Allen. Okay. It's, yeah, this is, this is a rough one on my end, but I'm confident. <laughs> okay, good. Dude, you are in trouble on this one. It just was straight up going to say, Oregon is better than Arizona schools on my Twitter account. Ugh. Yep. All right. And yeah. Okay. Um, So who do you have, UCLA or Arizona? UCLA is favored by 10 points, and you took the under, under 68 and a half. Under? I'm taking UCLA to win, but I do think U of A will cover. So you are stepping with, with with me, smart man. Um, you have what you Utah, the game that was added and switched up. Utah at Washington. We don't have a line yet. Um, neither, so we'll just neither does Utah. Up. <laughs> You're right about that. I think we're both in agreement that Washington is going to win this football game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do we, do we want to make one up? You just want to call it seven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that seems like a fair line. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would say Washington by 13 anyway. I, I agree. Washington. <laughs> it, it, yeah. Any, anything under 10, I would take them. Uh, what do you think? So what would impress you that if Washington was able to do against oh, Utah? Cause it's now it's now we're at the point of like, okay, do we take Washington seriously? What do you want to see from them in this game? I just want to see a dominating per performance. I would like to see a better defensive performance than than USC put on because Washington's offense is not as, you know, di- dynamic with playmakers and they're not going to throw the ball as many times as USC is. So, I want to see Washington's defense be absolutely smothering. I yeah, and I want to see them not give up 27 points in the fourth quarter. Like I I I want to look at the game and say, "Oh, wow. Ooh, ooh, ooh." That defense now, whoo, hey, man, they might be able to beat the Ducks. That's what I want to say after the end of the game for me to believe in Washington. Um, Last game up, Oregon at Oregon State. Oregon's favored by 14 points. They have the number one offense in the conference in terms of total offense, 49, I'm sorry, 499.7 yards per game. And they are the number two scoring offense at 38.7 points per game. Yeah. Hmm. What is this game called now? It's no longer the Civil War. It is the it is the Oregon game right now. The- it is it is it it is called Beat the Beavers. Just just how badly. <laughs> I don't like the 14 points, not with not with the way that Oregon's defense has been playing and not with Jamar Jefferson out there. Um, I tell you what, it's not going to look good for Oregon's defense if Jebbia is as good as pro football focus wants to pretend that he is. Um, Stop. Dude, that's, that's not possible. So, so, so here's where Oregon is struggling. Oregon is struggling because their corners are playing fine. Their safeties are struggling. So they're not able to play as much man-to-man coverage as they have been able to play last year. Oregon State's wide wide receivers are not special in that way. So they should be able to play more man-to-man coverage, stack the box, and stop the run. 
So I like Oregon and the 14 points, and I like the the over as well. Um, What's the over? 64. Okay, I'll take the over with you, um, but I do not like Oregon to cover the 14. So Ducks win, win by Beavers cover, over. Ducks are winning by 20 points this game, Ralph. All right, we'll see. We'll see. It's 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 hard to score points when you don't have the ball. Well, they're going to stop the run. I, I there is no way that Mario Cristobal didn't go into uh, the um, the defensive coordinator's office and say, uh, "Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me." Two hundred and sixty, two hundred and seventy yards. Excuse me. Fix it. And you know that they are—they pride themselves on being a physical football team, and it's not working right now. So yeah, so it's time to get on the bus, and they will figure it out. And this is a game that will be a complete mismatch, complete mismatch. Uh, do we have anything else left, Ralph? Uh, no, basketball season just now tipped off. Arizona State's on the court. Uh, you want to throw out who just – we'll just go with who you think is going to win, and, and we'll start recapping games next week. But who you think is going to win the conference? The two popular choices right now seem to be ASU and UCLA. Yeah. Um, okay, so it's going to be tough for for me. Like, truth – all right. So uh, the, the team that had been kind of dominating the, the, the conference or winning the, the conference for the last couple years and going the furthest in the tour- tournament has been Oregon. They've turned over – their roster has turned over a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's turned over a lot, which, which, which I can't put them as my, as my favorite. But I don't trust Arizona State. Yeah, yes, yes, they have Cashmere back. No, I'm sorry, Alizé. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, they get so uh, they they got they got Remy back. They got Alonzo Verge back, <laughs> and then they have two five star uh, recruits added to the fold in Josh Christopher and Marcus Bagley. Yeah, so I, I, I don't trust freshmen. I don't think that either one of those guys is probably going to be a one and done. So, all right. I'm going to say order of finish. I'm going to pick UCLA one. Okay. Oregon two. Arizona State three. Arizona four. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, and and my wild card may be USC, but they didn't reload on the same way. Like the, the they don't appear to have you know two first round draft picks again. Yeah, I I kind of like Colorado as well. Um, this is a tough one. I I do think that I do think Oregon is probably up against some chemistry issues this year, but you know, they're so well coached that, that, that yeah, might be able to he just that. finds a way. He yeah. just finds a way. Uh, USC has the talent, but not the, you know, the top end talent, but not the depth. Um, ASU has probably three of the four best guards in the conference, but they don't have very many bigs. 
to to help get the job done. So it kind of looks like if everybody is healthy, that that UCLA and Jalen Clark as a freshman coming in and and I will say I'll, I'll go I'll go UCLA ASU, um, Oregon Colorado USC. That's my top five. Okay. I, yeah, I, I think that that's... Very Pac-12 South heavy. Yeah, well, the the uh, Pac-12 South, because Washington has continued to underwhelm. Even that, like, how are they so bad when they have so much talent? Or or at least what the, what the NBA feels is talent. And uh, Colorado State is nowhere near there. Oregon State, same thing. Stanford, what what the hell happened to Stanford basketball? You know, it and Cal is yeah, bro. It, it's just kind of sad because the Pac-12 is getting better, but it's not like the Pac-12 basketball for men needs to be what the women are doing. Yeah. I just it, it to me it's just always been a depth and chemistry issue. There's been a little bit too much movement in the coaching ranks. There's been a little bit too much movement um as far as the players. ASU's trying to get to the point where they can get a couple of one and dones every year. Um obviously it you know, Lou Dort gambling on himself worked out. Um, you know, Remy Martin coming back. Uh, you know, ASU is hoping that they can send four players to the NBA off one team in the next draft. And that's going to be, um, that's going to be tricky. That means that they, they probably really need to dominate. And uh, I'm not well, sure. Well, the happen. biggest question is, is can you keep your coach? <laughs> is, is will Bobby Hurley stay there knowing the, the, the issues that he has with the, uh, administration? Right. Um, or, or will he not need to, because, Everybody seems to have Ray Anderson pegged as a potential replacement for Larry Scott. So maybe Bobby Hurley didn't have to go anywhere. We'll see. Okay. Are you, are you okay with, well, I guess, I guess we can talk about that on the next pod, but, but would you be okay with him as a replacement for um, Michael Scott? <laughs> uh, I mean, would you be okay with him bringing Herm Edwards and Marvin Lewis with him? <laughs> he's a, you know, I, I don't know. He's a, he's, he's an interesting dude. He really is. Um, I would, I wouldn't mind him being commissioner. I would also not like him to run the, the, the TV side of it. If yeah. that makes sense. Yep. Like they need to figure something else out besides the PAC 12 net networks. They need an actual, I am in favor of more of a a person who understands a business person who understands sports like that. That way they can understand like somebody who's good at business, who's going to say, all right, look, if you are a business and like I used to own a cupcake place and we had 58 billion flavors at first. And the first thing you have to do is you have to go in and say which flavors are selling the best. Not which flavors do I like the best, which flavors do the customers like the best. And then you trim the fat around that. So football is the biggest customer. 
I mean, it, it drives everything. So you have to feed football more than you have to feed anything else. And somebody who understands that is the person who needs to be in charge. Even if it makes other people upset because they feel neglected. At the end of the day, the bills have to be paid. That's like, you know, a mom or a dad or whoever else paying all the bills in a uh, house and then they're getting ignored or treated just like everybody else when it comes to like priority for sleep or prior, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if, like if, uh, if, if somebody is like, you know, if mom or dad is paying all the, all the bills and then, uh, they need to go to sleep the way they can go to, go to work, but that, but somebody wants to have a party or be loud, then you have to be like, no, dad, dad needs to go to sleep. Well, well I want to do that. It doesn't matter. Like, that has to be the priority. And that's what has to be the priority in the Pac-12. The moneymaker. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but my my worry is that it's so eroded that it's going to be tough to come back from some of the damage that was that was done. So the, and anybody who comes in is going to need to be somebody, you know, and, and right now Ray Anderson sits in on a bunch of these meetings and is buddy-buddy with Larry Scott. And, and my biggest issue with oh, no. any, any change in leadership whatsoever needs to acknowledge that the previous administration, while well-intentioned at times, was an abject failure. And I think any any inability to do so anybody that wants to tip a cap to to larry scott's highly paid service is is not somebody that i want um taking the steering wheel even if they're just being polite i don't want somebody to be polite i want somebody to advocate for this conference i 100 percent agree with you um that is it for our show today guys uh the pack 12 apostles we appreciate your time Appreciate your energy. Enjoy the games this weekend as as well. Um, yeah, and hopefully you guys have a great uh, holiday. Um, Ralph is part Native American, so he doesn't do the Thanksgiving thing very much. And I and I acknowledge that for uh, people, and I understand it, and it makes sense to me. So whatever your holiday is, however you celebrate it, you know what I mean. Hopefully that you are safe corona free and healthy hey just practice practice gratitude we got a lot to be thankful for i am thankful for you and uh, and, and your friendship george and for the fact that you're gonna have to change your twitter account to some nonsense here in the next couple of days <laughs> well i am thankful for you as well i'm thankful for your friendship and i'm thankful for all the pac-12 apostles and the people who care about this conference care about this podcast and all that all right guys peace out